0: Hi, this is Ben Zorns with Ellerslie Mission Society. This sermon by Pastor Eric Ludy is entitled Men of Down. Okay, I'll admit it. Men tend to be lopsided kind of creatures. We are tough and we should be tender, and buttery soft when we should be bold and courageous. However, a Christ-built man is filled with the meek boldness and daring compassion of his king. He can defy the powers of darkness and gently rock a sleeping baby. Please contact us at www.ellerslie.com. And enjoy the message. Let's pray. Somehow I pray
1: that you would do what you do. And that you would take the words of men and translate them to the spirit of man as, as the words of God. Somehow speak to us through your spirit today and enliven us. Blow upon the embers of our soul. And may there be a roaring fire within us to serve you, to seek after you, to know you, to bring glory to your name. Father, we're after the glory of Jesus Christ, which ultimately means your glory. And I pray that Jesus would be high and lifted up today and that we would meditate upon him and we would behold the Son of Man in all of his glory. Precious King, we trust you. This is unto you. Amen. Well, last week, we had a very unique message, and it was called Men of Steel. I loved the title. It got me all excited. Uh, And even the response in in many of us as men was very significant. And I think, ironically, there's nothing quite like it for women than to know that their men have sword in hand and shield. And there is... There's something that is reinforcing, not just to the soul of a man, but to the soul of a woman, to know that the men that surround them are brawny and bold for the truth, brawny and bold for the weak, brawny and bold for the glory of Jesus Christ. There's something wonderful about that. In marriage, let's just imagine the scene here, Uh, you know, you get... One of the exciting things about marriage, and some of us get very excited about just the thought of it, so I'm not going to spend much time on this, since a lot of you are single. But uh, it's like here you are living somewhere else, and you know your future spouse is you know there and somewhere else. I used to hate to say good because it was always like good night, goodbye. I, I was tired of missing sunrises with. The one I love. I wanted to share sunrises, not sunsets, sunrises. I want to spend the night. And so that concept of having one bed, you know, doesn't that sound fun? Uh, it was just fantastic when you get married. It's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to spend any more time there, though, okay? <laughs> However, imagine, girls, that your man has a sword and a shield. And that's, you know, so he's laying in bed with a sword and a shield. You know, that's not very cozy. You know, it's wonderful to know that he has it. You know, if the enemy's coming in, in the night, your man has a sword and shield. This is a complimentary message to last week. We need men of steel, but there was a statement I made last week, and it was this. A true man of God, built by God, constructed by the lumber of heaven, is a man who knows how to be strong when strength is required, And he knows how to be soft when soft is needed. So if we're going to do the complement to this, since last week we were talking about being strong when strong is needed. And I love those messages. There is an equal and seemingly opposite truth, but it is not opposite. It is complementary. And that is a man being soft when soft is needed. It's called, do we have the title up there? Uh, Men of Down. So we have men of steel, now we have men of down. This is gonna sound like a nice fluffy message, okay? I mean, that's, that's literally what down is. Down is the after feather on a feather. So you have this goose feather, and you know that little, that bottom part, which is just really fluffy and soft, you know, just the quills of a feather and all that, they're not necessarily soft, but that little after feather is the down, and it's what keeps the duck warm. Underneath the feather is right against their skin, they have this down, and if you take that down, and you put it in a nice comforter, and you lay it on top of you at night, it is an amazingly beautiful thing. It's soft and cozy and comfortable. Okay, so if a man just is laying there without a comforter, you know, wife next to him, shield and sword, the woman feels secure, but not necessarily comfortable. We need both and. In other words, men need to be strong. They need sword and shield, and they need to know when to rise up and defend. They need no- to know when to bear their chest and take the blow. But they also need to know how to be soft, when to be soft, because men have a tendency to be soft when they are supposed to be strong. That's when they get all mealy-mouthed. The moment Christian truth comes into the ascent and political correctness is staring us in the face. Men get mealy-mouthed at the very point of time when the attacker is coming. Then we're like, well, you know what, why don't you just take my wallet? Take her purse, too. Why don't you? In other words, we get weak at the very point of attack. And then we have a tendency to be strong in the very point when softness is needed. And we get belligerent, we get frustrated, we're irritable, we're angry. It's the very point where our wives are weak and needing assurance and comfort. And there we are, as hard as a rock. And so it's not just being strong and being rock-like, it's being rock-like and strong when it is required and when it is needed. And it's not just being soft and mushy and sensitive, it's being soft, and I'm gonna remove the word mushy, soft and sensitive when that is required and when that is needed, and that is a man. And I would say the same exact thing for a woman, okay, but I happen to be calling this men of down, okay, but for the women in here, you'll notice that this is a truth because we're talking about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, as strange as it is to think about Jesus Christ being a man, and the spirit of this man dwelling in you, he wants to be strong in you as women, and he wants to be downy soft in you as women, He expresses, the nature of God is expressed through femininity uniquely, and it's expressed through masculinity uniquely, and our study is on Jesus Christ, who's a man. So we have men of down, okay? Now I said this is gonna sound like a fluffy message. It's actually rather intense. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense. How in the world could men of down be an intense message? Well, just wait. Okay, our key Greek word, prostame, okay? is how it's uh, supposedly pronounced, even though I typically disagree with the pronunciation guide because I like to pronounce it the way English would be. But I usually come up with my own rendition of the word, so if I come up with my own rendition, don't hold it against me. Just You'll know that I'm talking about this word. This is what it means. To superintend, preside over, protect and guard. That's strength, that's steel. Now look at this. To care for and give attention to to be able to focus in, to care as a shepherd would for sheep, yet at the same time to stand guard against the wolves. This is a great word, even though I can't pronounce it. (laughs) Proistimi, something like that. But here's my little definition at the very bottom. I underlined it, not to say my definition overrules that one, but to emphasize something, to rule with steel and down. We're talking about two things, being strong when strength is needed and being soft when softness is required. How is this word used? This is actually in the New Testament, the word that is used when talking to bishops over the church, which are overseers. Bishops are like overseers over entire church bodies and in collections of church bodies. Deacons. Deacons are the ones that are used within the church to distribute unto the poor. The church has resources, and they literally go out to the weak and rescue the weak. Elders. Elders and bishops are very similar, but they're basically the ones over the entirety. The words are interchangeable. Fathers and husbands. Do we see any correlation here? Men. Men of God, this is the word. This is the operative word for them. Let's see. Let's go back and see if we can pronounce it again. Proistemi, boy, that is a hard one. But this is our operative word. Okay, Paul's charge. Proistemi, well, this is what he says over and over again. Men, proistemi, well, and we're like, what in the world? Well, now you know what it means. But this, this is what he's saying. Men, be steel when steel is required and be soft when soft is needed. This is the call. This is the challenge to us as men. So here's a combination. You'll see 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 5, verse 12, and then chapter 5, verse 17. So this is a collection with dot, dot, dots collecting it, uh, connecting it. One that ruleth, or proisteme, well his own house Having his children in subjection with all gravity. Talking about uh, bishops, by the way. A bishop is one that ruleth well his own house, or priest to well, his own house. Having his children in subjection with all gravity. Subjection, meaning in obedience, and with all gravity means with all reverence. The, the word gravity sounds like the guy's being mean. He's like, hey, kid, be quiet. That's not what it means. It means with reverence, which means with respect. That child looks at his dad and says, my dad, my dad knows what he's doing. My dad is strong. With reverence, they look at that dad and they say, I like my dad. My dad can beat up all the other dads. It's with reverence. For if a man know how to peristemi his own house, rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church? And I said that sentence wrong. For if a man know not how to priest to me his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? A man is proven. A father, a husband is proven in his own house. If he can't priest to me in his own house, and if he can't do it right, if he doesn't know how to be strong when strength is needed, and he doesn't know how to be soft when softness is required in his own house, then he is not fit to rule. In the greater house of God. This is the proving ground, and this is the concept. The test for all the men is proistome. How do you measure up on this test? Because this is the test for us as men. This is what we're called to. So let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Proisteme, their children, and their own house as well. Let the elders, proistome. Well, be counted worthy. Let me say that. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. This is the concept used, you'll see here, for bishops and over your own family, husbands and fathers, and then deacons and then elders. Each one of them is commissioned by Paul to evidence this concept well in their lives. So what we have is the same scripture, and now I'm going to take out proisteme and put in the words protects and cares well for. Okay, So this is just reading it where it's a little more intelligible. One that protects and cares well for his own house, speaking of bishops, this is who a bishop would be, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to protect and care well for his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, protecting and caring for their children in their own house as well. Let the elders that protect and care well be counted worthy of a double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. We have a a message. I think Ben is going to be teaching it this semester in in the Ellerslie uh, training, but it's called Within the Ranges. So there's this concept of a territory that we are responsible for. For instance, I have a range as a man that I am to me well for. I am supposed to rule and protect and care over that well. That's my commission. My wife, well, let's start this way. My soul, if I leave my soul to the wolves and I tear down any wall or any sheep pen and I just say, yeah, let the wolves come in here because I'm focused over here on my marriage and my family. Well, guess what? By leaving my own soul open, my marriage falls apart and so does my family. Okay, so obviously let's start with first things first. First clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside will be clean also. Start inside. Your own soul. to me well. Your marriage. You take care of that marriage. Because if you can't take care of that marriage, your family stinks. If you have a bad marriage, it's impossible to have a solid family. You take care of your own soul, which then prepares you to be successful in marriage. In fact, remember how it said up here, we were talking about bishops? If a man cannot rule or me his, his house, his marriage and his children well, he's not fit for the church of God. How about this one? If a man can't proisteme his own soul well, he's not fit for marriage. How about that one? Uh, and It's not scripture. I'm not giving the scripture. I'm giving a principle of Scripture. It's the principle of taking on further responsibility and authority. Okay, so we have a range. First of all, that range starts with our own soul. Then it's our marriage. Then it's our families. And if we can prove strong in those ranges, in that range, in that jurisdiction, it's a territory that we are responsible over. Like a king's domain, a kingdom. We have a domain. Now, I have a greater domain than just those three things. I have a church. I have a school. I have a lot of different lives that are, I'm responsible for. Proistamine well. I just put an I-N-G on the end of that. Proistamine well, because of, I can't say it without putting an ing on the end. Okay? So I need to proestamine well over these things. Okay? So within the ranges of the king, we have a range. Did you know that Jesus has a range? The king of kings has a range in which he is responsible for for proestimating well. You know who's our sampling of this? Who's our example of this? Jesus. He's the one that is strong when strength is needed. And he is the one who is soft when softness is required. Within the ranges of the king, comes from 1 Kings 11... And you shall compass the king round about, every man with his weapon in his hand, and he that cometh within the ranges, let him be slain. This is a great man's scripture. Now this is talking about protecting a king. The whole story is great, and that's why you have to hear the message within the ranges. But there is a king that is being protected in Israel, the rightful king of Israel. And anyone that comes within this range of the temple where he was being protected, slay him, protect him. So the men were were standing up with weapon in hand. So here's the things that we need to be protecting within the king's range. This is what the king of kings has assigned to each one of us as men. The inward man, the marriage and family, the church, the shepherdless flock of strays in need of rescue. All that is pure hearted, all that is righteous, all that is truth. Anything that falls within that territory, we do not stand for the breaking down of it. We stand and we bear our chest and we give our lives to preserve it thusly within the range of the man." In other words, these things are within the range of our king and his attentions, therefore they become within the range of a man. So a man says, if that's what my king is attentive to, if that's what my king is thinking about, if that's what my king proistamese well, I I just made up another word there, I don't think that's the the Greek uh, derivative of it, but uh, if he's caring well, and he's protecting and caring well for these things, then so ought we as men. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Now this is in Matthew 25, 40, where Jesus at the end, is at the judgment day, is literally dividing the sheep from the goats. And the sheep come to his right side, and the goats to his left, and he divides them based... On their behavior, and get this. I'm gonna to have to make up another word here. How they promisteized. So whoever's gonna be listening to this later, it'd be some Greek scholar, it'll just be like plugging his ears the whole time. He's like, no, not another, don't, don't even attempt it. How he, what was my word, promisteized? I don't even remember the word now. How they, how they protected and cared well. For the responsibility of the king, for the heart of the king, while they were here on earth as men. Okay, that's just one way of looking at it, obviously as women too. But the king says, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. And the king shall answer and say unto them, this is my rendition of it for your sakes, verily I say unto you, in so much, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these within the ranges, you have done it unto me. We have a range, and God has defined that range. Let's go back to the range real quick. The inward man. You care for the inward man. You care for it well. You guard it and protect it. And as much as you do it unto that inward man and protect it, you are doing it for Jesus Christ and his glory. The marriage and family. As much as you are attending and protecting and care for in your marriage and family, you are doing that under the glory of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ, as much as you are doing it unto the church around you to protect, to build up, to edify, to serve, to wash feet, you are doing it under the glory of Jesus Christ. The shepherdless flock of strays in need of rescue, they're all over the place. And when you see them, you have a responsibility to go out. Whether they're hungry, whether they're thirsty, whether they're clothless, whatever their circumstance is, you, as you do it unto them, you are doing it unto the glory of your king. And all that is pure-hearted, all that is righteous, all that is truth, when you stand for it, you defend it, and you die for it, as much as you do it unto those things, within the ranges of your king, you are doing it unto his glory, unto his name. In Matthew 25, remember, this is the context for Matthew 25, 40, where he separates the sheep, and they say, why did we get separated over here? I don't, what did we do that was so special? For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, prison. Now, I want us to pause here for a second, because most of us have heard this scripture many times in our life. We are giving a message called Men of Down. As much as it is a requirement... For men to draw their steel and to give up their life to defend those that are entrusted to their care. To gladly and willingly die to preserve those around them. This is our job. As we said last week, when the big meanie comes to the door, knocks and says, Hey, I want in. I want to hurt someone. Honey, take the kids into the basement. I'm going to take care of this. And we very, very well may die in our defense and our preservation of our homes but it is to the glory of Jesus that we do it, because that is what a man does. He's the first sufferer. Jesus died for his bride. He bore his chest, laid out his hands and his feet, gave his head, gave his back for us. And so then this statement comes before us. And as much as all that is true, there is a soft side. There is a time when men must prove soft. They must prove ready to feel the burdens of those around them. They're not just drawing steel. Sometimes they're drawing a cup of cool water. And we need to know when to draw the steel and when to draw the cup of cool water. Well, here's a list. When you see someone that's hungry, when you see someone who's thirsty, when you see someone that is a stranger, when you see someone that is naked, when you see someone that is sick, when you see someone that is imprisoned, I want you to realize, some of us are saying, I, I, when do we see this? The world is full of this. The problem is we live in suburbia. You don't have naked people coming up to your door knocking saying, do you have any clothing for me? You know that for years of my life, I actually fell for this suburban mentality. That God, I, I believe Matthew uh, 25. And if you ever want to send the poor to me, I will give them what I have. If you ever want to send the hungry to me, I'll give them what I have. If you ever want to send the naked to me, that'll be awkward, but I'll give them what I have. I want you to realize, Jesus came to seek and save. It says in Job 29, the cause I knew not I sought out. They don't come to us. We have to go to them. This is the proving ground for us men. Most of us are not men of steel, but we're also not men of down. I don't know what we are. We're something in the middle, where we have a little glimpse of strength here, when the Broncos are playing and they score a touchdown and we punch our buddy in the shoulder. And then we have a little bit of softness and we cry at the end of Anna Green Gables. There's a little softness there and there's a little strength there. But overall, we're not drawing our steel or the cup of cool water. We have neither. I've really struggled with this in my life, by the way. I have spent years of my life esteeming great masculinity. And so for a whole season of my life, I was Mr. Sensitivity. Okay, man of down. I wasn't the full scope of Man of Down as we're going to talk about today, but this was sort of my specialty. I wrote tons of books on it, too. It's like, oh, if I could just be married to Eric Ludi, he would be sensitive. And I sort of liked that. You know, I liked the fact that I could make all the guys feel a little uncomfortable and all the girls go, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, there's a few of you guys that have been mad at me for it, too. It's like, great, that Eric. I want you to realize what God has been working on me over the past, I don't know how many years it's been. But it's the man of steel side. God has been slowly turning me into John the Baptist, and I haven't necessarily appreciated his work always, but I feel like I have a little camel loincloth on, and he has, you know, locust and wild honey that I'm like chewing on, and everyone around me is looking at me going, What's that? Uh, I used to be sensitive. I used to be the guy, you know, that everyone was like, Oh, that's so sweet. Now they're like, That's so rude. I don't want to be that guy. We need to be willing to be deemed rude, inconsiderate, and incorrect, and intolerant in this world. And at the same time, to have all of our sensitivity and our compassion and everything that the world would applaud go overlooked because they're so distracted with our camel skin and loincloth, camel skin and loincloth, and our locust and wild honey. The world does not approve Christianity. And until we finally get that through our thick skull, because a lot of us think that if we can be more humanitarian, the world will compliment us and pat us on the back. But if we are men of steel at the same time, we're men of down, they will forgo applauding our men of downness, and they will only see the man of steel. And they will reject it, and they will crucify it. We need to realize that what God is doing will not translate into this world. And we do not do it for the world's applause. We do not take care of the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, or the imprisoned for them, for their approval, for our political ratings so that we can run for office. We do not have photo ops with babies and wave at the camera so that we will gain public approval. We do this for him. We are doing it for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's our motivation. So I want us to measure ourselves on this. I have been deeply convicted over the past four or five years in regards to both last week's message and this week's message. Trying to figure out who I am. I I became a rendition of masculinity that was a hybrid. It wasn't fully Jesus. It was part cultural, to be sensitive to the culture, and it was part valiant. And Jesus Christ has been removing a husk from me. You know, in this process of becoming strong, for for Christianity, one of the hardest things for me, and this is, hopefully you guys don't need to go through this, but is to know how to continue to be sensitive. It's like this growl emerges in my soul and all I wanna do is bark for the glory of Jesus to preserve his righteousness, his holiness, the sense of who he is, his grandness. I don't want it to fall in the streets. Then I come home and I'm in my living room and I'm like, And, and Leslie's like, oh. In other words, how, this is why I emphasize it, to know when to be strong and when to be soft. Because I would come home and I'd hear something from Leslie, you know, some, something that wasn't completely in alignment with Scripture. You know, one of those things where a woman's like, and I'm feeling a little afraid. How dare you? Fear must be cast out. Okay, and it's the very moment when I needed to be putting my arm around and saying, I'm here. You ready to fight? Because your man has a shield and has a sword and I'm here for you. you. When you're taking care of a sheep, you don't treat them like a wolf. See, if all day long you're fighting off wolves and then you come back with your sword and your little sheep is over there, you go, dink! <laughs> you could say, hey, that's what God's trained me to do. I use this sword. Yeah, but you need to know when to put it down. Because it is not always the weapon of choice. You fight the wolves, and then you set down the sword. Maybe sheathe it, okay? You don't need to put it somewhere and hide it. Sheathe it, and then get the cup of cool water and feed your sheep. Knowing how to do both well is a great art. Let me tell you. This is one of the number one things I've gone through in the past five years. Is basically saying to Leslie, okay, that was... One of my sermons, again, coming out. I need to learn how to serve. This Again, this was my specialty, being the man of down. But it wasn't the man of down fully as we're going to be talking about today. It was a man who was sensitive, who knew how to write sonnets, and knew how to sing love songs, and knew how to give flowers. is wonderful stuff. But there's more to it. A woman needs to be protected. She needs to have that sense of security, and she needs the down comforter. Both simultaneously present. A sheep needs the shepherd to be strong and watchful always, but tender and observant always. How do they do that? Both and. That's Jesus. He specializes in it. Let's let him overtake our lives and do it in us. So the man's report card. Grade yourself before the judgment seat. This isn't a fun thing, but I say let's do it now instead of waiting for then. Matthew 25, 40. You ready to uh, find out sheep goatness within you? The hungry. How have you done with the hungry in this world? I'm not just saying the physically hungry. What about the spiritually hungry? How many people would long to know what you know? Are you feeding them? Are you at all sensitive? And do you care about them? The thirsty, the stranger. You know how many people could fall into the stranger category even that just walk into a church like this? How are we taking care of them? How are we reaching out to the stranger amongst us? My mom, her specialty is strangers. In fact, her name Barbara means stranger, so she has a special heart for strangers. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but that's how it worked. And she has a special heart for strangers. And so like foreign exchange students or anyone over here, She's always reaching out to them. She she loves finding the stranger. Well, for most of us, we've never even thought about it. And I'm saying this is an evidence of Christ at work in us. The naked, that's a little awkward, but how about those that are not fully guarded and preserved and protected from the elements in which they're in? An orphan would fall into the naked. They're without an advocate. There are women out there without a strong man to protect them and to preserve their home. They're naked, but not in the sense that we're thinking. They're without a guard, without a covering. The sick. All over the place. The sick are everywhere. It says to visit them. Well, it's the same word as used in James when it talks about visiting the orphan and the widow. That means to look upon them with an intentionality to do something to their aid and benefit doesn't just mean poking your head and going, hey, just wanted to say hi, and then taking off. It means to look in upon their need and to say, how can I give of my own life, resources, time, and energy to serve and to help the imprisoned? They're imprisoned here in Colorado that most of us have never even considered, never thought about. This is our opportunity and how we prove well here, and it's not just the prison's that are a physical structure, with chains and bars. It's those imprisoned in sin. What are we doing about it? So that's our report card as men. Okay, see if I can say this word now. Uh, prosteeming. I say I, I forgot how it was pronounced in the beginning. Now I'm just guessing. Prosteeming. Well, okay. So there's my ing. Okay, so this is an action. We are going to prosteeming. Well, that was not the proper way of saying it either, uh, grammatically. How about this? This is Paul's command. No, that isn't. Let's see if I can get this. This is a hard one for me. Are you abstemian? Well, see that 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 will work better. The amazing power of doing it right. Look at Isaiah fifty-eight. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, thy own relatives, their own, uh, their own flesh and blood. Then shall thy light, listen to the effect of it, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, And thine health shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rear guard. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. You know how many Christians are living in such defeat... This scripture is literally like a recipe for strength. It's like, turn outward. Serve those within your range. Be a man or a woman of down. You're sensitive to the needs of those around you, and you will find that your light will break forth as the morning. Your healing will speedily come. In other words, if you're sick, this is the secret. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee this is your offspring. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. What an incredible statement! we are called to be strong but we're also called to be soft and it's knowing when to be either or and doing it right as i've said in the past there's a time there are things we ought to resist and there's things we ought to yield to and most of us as christians we yield to the things the enemy is bringing into our life and then we fight off the things god's bringing in well technically we're supposed to do it the opposite direction When the enemy comes in, we resist the devil, and he flees. And when God is coming in, no matter how difficult it is, we embrace it. We yield to it. And then we're healthy. Well, the same thing is true with drawing our steel when our steel is needed, and then drawing the cup of cool water when that is required. If we get this straight, life triumphs. It works. It thrives. And those that be of thee, your offspring, your family, your marriage, it works. Steal when steal is required. This is our summary from last week. Steal for the weak, steal for the truth, steal for the glory. Well, let's move on now. Soft when soft is needed. First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, listen to this reason, that your prayers be not hindered. If we are not down, showing deference, honor, if we are not looking to provide that cool water to our wife, to study her and to determine what she is needing, just as a shepherd, shepherd would his sheep, if we are not understanding the delicacy of what is being entrusted to us and what is within our range, do you know that our prayers are hindered? It's a strange statement, but there actually is a pattern of a way a man ought to be. And if he is not as he ought to be, then there's actually a dysfunction in his prayer life. There's like a blockade from him being able to reach the throne of God on behalf of his family. He's actually creating an impediment to his praying. This is no small matter with us as men. We need to know when to draw the steel and for most of us, how to draw the water. Most of us don't even know how this works. The stealing and down of David. He handled his sheep as sheep, and the lion and bear and giant as a lion, bear, and a giant. He knew how to distinguish between the two. He rescued his sheep. He didn't break the jaws of his sheep and remove the little you know, grass from their teeth. He broke the jaw of the lion and removed the prey from its teeth. We have a tendency... To gain the growl of David, the Davidic growl, we gain the Davidic growl against the enemies of God and take it out on the sheep of God. Under the banner of saying, hey, this is a righteous indignation. No, that's sin. That's flesh. That's you attempting to excuse and cover over your fleshly behavior. Let God in and let him change you. Change this heart of stone into a heart of flesh, into a soft heart. It needs to know when to put the flint at the forehead and when to allow the heart of compassion, the bleeding heart, to come forth. So the stealing down of David. Steel, breaking the jaws of the lion. That's impressive. That's drawing the sword. Down, comforting the frightened little sheep. He was a shepherd. He knew how to be both and. This guy, it says that Saul slayed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And he also played a harp. That's a little girly. He's like writing songs. He's one of those artistic types. Yet he's an artistic type with a sword that's covered with blood. What a weird combination. It's the steel and down of David. I like David. I want to be like David. David is a pattern for a man. Steel, defying the enemies of God. When he heard Goliath blaspheming in the Valley of Elah, Says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would blaspheme the armies of the living God? Let me at him, and he drew his steel. Well, in this case, he drew five stones from the brook. That would be a cool message too. Instead of you know drawing five stones or drawing water, oh, see that I could I could build on that one. Okay, down weeping with love. So this is this is the opposite. Weeping with love and adoration, singing psalms of heartfelt praise to God. How could both of these be present within one man? That's the way it's supposed to be. The steel and down of Jesus. He was strong towards the proud and self-confident. It says he resists the proud. And soft towards the humble, broken, and contrite. So steel, opposing the proud. Remember how he handled the Pharisees? I mean, pretty extreme. Down, giving grace to the humble. Remember how he handled the penitent? I mean, here's a guy in sin. Here's a woman caught in adultery. What? You'd think he should kick them, draw a steel, execute them right then and there. He's the judge. Instead, it was the proud of heart, those that didn't that sense they didn't need a messiah, those that didn't need a physician. He opposed them like they were wolves. But those that knew their need, he was their advocate and rescuer. The naked he clothed. Steel, calling the religious leaders of the day a brood of vipers. Whew, that steel. Clearing a temple uh, with a whip, that's steel. Coming on a white steed with with sword protruding from mouth, crowns upon your head, vesture dipped in blood and a tattoo on your thigh, that's steel. Soft, inviting the little children unto him, taking them in his arms and placing his hands upon them. Steel, with whip in hand, entering the temple and overturning the money changers' tables. Soft, weeping in Bethany, feeling for his friends as Lazarus lay dead in the grave. Okay, ten attributes of the man of down. First one, he's approachable. Let's discuss approachable. Though he be a mighty leader of men, he does not place himself amongst the important ones of this earth. He does not seek earthly applause, commendation, or crowns. But rather, he spends his life on the lowly as if they are royalty. Children as if they are princes and princesses. Widows as if they are queens. And the hungry as if they are kings paying a royal visit. Everyone that knows such a man senses that this man values them, even loves them, and thusly they are magnetically attracted to his presence. Isn't that an incredible thought to think of Jesus being an approachable man? Approachable. He's sitting there, and the children could literally feel comfortable coming up to him, yet he is the almighty presence of God. A man, no matter how high of a rung he reaches in this natural realm as far as authority, to maintain a downiness of soul, an approachability. That when a a, a lowly person is around them, that that lowly person actually senses value, flow from that man to them. And actually he treats them as more important than them. And he would wash their feet. What kind of leader is that? That would be a very strange sort of king. That's our king. That's Jesus that's literally what he did. And he commissions us to do the same. Two, a man of down is understanding. Now, for all you women in here, this can be the classic message where the elbow sharpens and goes Poof, into the, the ribs of the one sitting next to you. I want you to allow the spirit of God to deal with a man. You take your position of praying And by the way, nagging doesn't work on a man. It backfires. If you see a weakness in the men around you, which by the way, we all have them, take it to prayer. Take it to Jesus Christ. Let him take a message like this and penetrate because we as men want to be real men. We really do. Oftentimes when we feel the nagging nudge, we have a tendency to harden. We need the choice to be ours. We don't want our wives to rule our lives and proisteme us and say, you will become a man. That isn't how we get inspired as men. We get inspired by seeing truth and rising up to it. And so let us see it today. Let us behold the truth and say, that is good. I want that. And then give space for your man to change. And then when he does, don't say, I told you so. Give him the dignity to rise up and be a man. He's understanding. A man of down is one who specializes in getting into other people's skin and walking a mile in their shoes. He looks at life through their eyes and thusly feels as they feel. He understands them because he spends time studying them. Understanding. A man of down is understanding. Now this is classically understood to be one of the great voids in marriage. Because men have a tendency to be lost in their own world. And women want to be understood. A man of down must literally be trained by God. Because I don't know that there's anything naturally in us that gets inside a woman's skin, and that walks a mile in her shoes, and studies her, and gains a PhD on her. It's just not naturally in our wiring. However, when we do, and when we allow Jesus to begin to train us to be understanding towards those in our life, understanding towards our children, and not just treating them as a batch. It's like, okay, kids. But knowing their individual names understanding their unique attributes serving them as individuals as opposed to as a as a group same with a church same with a student body to know each of them as individuals instead of group policy and saying okay all of you are doing this all of you need to do this this is a discipline for all to know each and every one as an individual, to be understanding, an amazing quality of a man of down. Three, he's honorable. He demonstrates a virtue and an excellence of manner in his every word spoken and in his every action performed. The man of down recognizes that his purity, life, and love is an example to everyone that surrounds him. And so he seeks God to brand him with his holiness and to equip him to model the dignity, nobility, and grace of heaven's throne room here on earth. He's single-eyed. The man of down is fully present in every conversation. You ever talked with a man? You ever been a man in this type of situation? Okay, it's very easy to put this in marriage. Those of you that know marriage know how this works. Man, focused on some problem in life. Woman, talking. No clue what she's saying, but she's talking. I don't know why she keeps talking, because I have an issue I need to be focused on right now. And then she asks the classic question, have you heard a word that I've said? And if you're really skilled at being a man, what you say is something like, of course I have. Then she says, what? Very inappropriate question, mind you. And so, but like I said, there's a skill in masculinity, and that is that you hold on to the last few words that are lingering in the air. You grab them right when she turns to you, and you awaken out of your stupor. You grab them out of the air. And then she says something, you say, well, it had to do with, and she looks at you like, "Smooth." Smooth. Okay, you caught the last word I said, but you missed everything before that. A man with a single eye is fully present at every conversation. Like the post office. The post office can have a line out the door, but they're trained to give full attention to the one right across the counter. You want them to panic about the line going out, but when you're the one that they're talking to, you actually have great appreciation for how the post office is trained. Because they give 100% of their time, attention, and focus, and they'll meet your need. If they need to go into the back and hunt around for an hour, they will. And it seems like it when you're waiting in line. It's like, what are they doing? Come on, don't they see the line out the door? A man with a single eye is fully present. When he's praying, he's fully present to God. When he's with his children, he's fully present. When he's with his wife, he's fully present. When he's with the church or anyone around him, and they're coming to him with a question, they want prayer, he's not half there. He's fully there. That's a man of a single eye. First of all, God has his undivided attentions and energies, but then secondly, his family always has his ready focus and his keen mind. Not his distracted, foggy mind. Not his tired mind. His keen mind. He is not distracted with the issues of this world, the cares of this life, but rather he is sharply focused on the matters of his king, his family, and his commission. Compassionate. Now, I know that sounds like a girly word to most of us men. Most women that are passionate about orphans are are motivated because of compassion. Most men are motivated out of a sense of justice. That's what moves us. Men are more naturally motivated by the steel than they are by the bleeding heart. That doesn't mean that's a blanket statement. You can't put that upon all men. But all men should prove compassionate. Why? Not because it's natural to them, because Jesus was compassionate, and Jesus is compassionate. And when Jesus overtakes the life of a man, the heart, the mind of a man, he burdens them with his burdens, and that is the stuff of compassion. In fact, it might be harder for a girl or a woman to be spiritually compassionate Because she is naturally more compassionate, she has a tough time carrying God's burdens. She excuses her burdens for God's burdens. A man knows he has a void. He doesn't feel anything. He hears about the persecuted church and everyone is crying and he doesn't care. This isn't good. What's wrong with me? A man notices a problem, whereas the women are crying oftentimes out of natural compassion. But we must all bear the burden of God's compassion A man of down has a new heart, a heart that actually feels what God is feeling. The stony heart that was once there has been replaced with spiritual tissue that quickly feels the pains of those suffering about him. He aches for those that are hurting, that are lost, and that are in need. He is burdened by the thought of those that suffer, those without the gospel, those without an advocate, those without a father who cares. And the thought of his wife and his children suffering, even in the slightest way, is more than his new heart can handle. It moves him to both action and tears. I tell you what, if I've ever meditated upon the thought of my family and my children under harassment and suffering because of my stand for Jesus, when I catch a clear sight of that, it's intense for my heart because God's growing me. I feel more than I've ever felt before. I used to be truly the dead-hearted man. I mean, I didn't feel at all. I remember going through college and there was this girl that was crying in her dorm room and I was walking through. It was a mixed uh, coed dorm this was the girl's wing i was in so to try and explain it sounds terrible i'm in a co-ed dorm and i'm like by this girl's room i was walking over there on an errand i don't know what it was uh and she's crying in her room and the door was open and i stopped and i knew who she was uh <clears throat> so i said so how you doing she looks at me like you heartless don't you can't you see how i'm doing and then she kept kept crying I'm, sort of bounced up and down on my toes and then kept walking. I have no idea what to do in a situation like that. If a woman starts breaking down around you, what do you do? You know, you just sort of pat them on the back. God has begun to train me and to give me a heart of compassion where I actually feel. I have had the panicky feeling in my life, and I still do at times, that I'm not feeling at the level I should. Okay. When we start talking about hell and eternal torment, it is weighty upon my soul. However, it's not as weighty as it should be. There is more that I must feel, but this is what God does in a man. So if you're feeling the hardness of heart, come to Jesus. He's a master at dealing with hard hearts, He's a master at making them soft. It's a promise, and He can't lie. Six, a man of down is thoughtful and kind. Okay, women, I almost wish you could leave for this one because there's nothing worse than having expectancy grow within wives. Did you remember what it said? It was number six. <laughs> he said that a man of down is thoughtful. I added kind to sort of throw off uh, the women in here so it wasn't just focused just on thoughtful. This is not something that men, I think, naturally pop out of the womb and are, is thoughtful. I'm not exactly sure what's wrong with us. Maybe we could just call it sin. But we don't think about the needs of others we think about it every once in a while when we're reminded but there isn't a natural process within us that goes ding during the day we're like oh my wife my kids my extended family my friends they need to know how much i love them it takes september 11th to shake us sometimes to say Oh, I've, i need to be saying i love you more i need to be doing more let's not wait for tragedy Let's build it into the framework of our life and every day. A man of down is trained to remember those within the ranges of his life, to think of them often, to pray for them always, and to demonstrate his love and affection with great consistency. For his wife, it may be flowers, a dinner out, a kiss, or a strategically laid card on her pillow, something to say, I'm thinking about you. For his children, it may be canceling an appointment to go crawdad fishing or an extra moment after breakfast to fix the latest crayon drawing to the front of the refrigerator. And to the orphan, widow, naked, hungry, thirsty, enslaved, imprisoned, lost, and dying all around the world that might be hatching real-world adventures to come to them and practically meet their needs. Are we thinking about them? We have a tendency to hear of a need, to know there's a need, and to even say, you know what, we probably should be doing something about it. You know that your wife needs to hear from you. And we go, hmm, it's probably true. We reason it through. We say, that's the truth. And then we forget about that truth. How can we lock these things in and create a framework of being that is naturally thoughtful and kind as the outflow of the supernatural work within us? We come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, this is your pattern. This is what I must become. Not so that just my wife is happy. Not so that my children are just healthy. For your glory. For your glory I must become this. I must show forth the nature of Jesus Christ on earth. There are many ministers of the gospel throughout the ages that knew when to draw the steel. And I can only name few that knew how to pull up the cup of cold water. Some of my greatest heroes had no clue how to draw the cold water. None. They lost their families. They lost their wives. And, they, and you're saying, they're your heroes? Well, there's not many others to choose from. They knew how to draw the sword. They knew how to fight for truth. But they oftentimes failed failed in family and marriage, in the intimate dimensions of life, they were miserable. Number seven, a man of down is gentle. A man may be as steel to the proud, but he is grace to the humble. He is gentleness and utterly lamb-like to those who are entrusted to his care. He is shepherdly tender and delicate with those of fragile constitution. He knows how to carry them so as not to break any bones. He knows how to speak to them so as not to break any hearts. He knows how to discipline them so as not to break any spirits. He can be steel. He can still be steel, but he is steel to protect those precious things that have been entrusted to his gentle care. Let me read that last line again. He can still be steel, but he is steel to protect those precious things that have been entrusted to his gentle care. He's meek. A man of down is harnessed by God. That's what meek is. It's strength harnessed. Let me say it this way. Great strength harnessed. He is in truth a wild stallion, but a wild stallion that has been broken to the will of the master horseman. And though untamed, and though if he were untamed, he would be dangerous and volatile, now that he's made meek, he is useful for the most delicate tasks. Though he is crammed full of intensity, love for battle, and thirst for adventure, he is able to stop in the midst of enemy fire, stoop down, and gently pick up the crippled child and run her through the enemy fire to safety. That's meekness. Meekness. A man built for war in the midst of war, stopping. The man he was about to kill right in front of him, but he has a greater agenda. He is trained to the will of the master horseman who pulls back and says, Don't forget him. He leans down, stoops, stops in the midst of enemy fire, grabs the crippled child and runs him to safety. That's meekness. That's a man of steel knowing how to sheathe his steel at the right moment and draw the cup of cool water. Whatever that is, the mystery of what that is must be inculcated within us as men. He is guileless. He has not even a hint of subtlety and craft. He is innocent of conspiring, of manipulating and conniving. His yes is yes, and his no is no. His word is his bond. His handshake is his guarantee. Those in his life can trust him. He cannot lie. He is faithful to his word, and his promise is a sure thing. He doesn't live a secret life, but a simple life of truth. His wife has perfect confidence in him, and his children never need to doubt his sincere love, honor, and purity. Where are such men today? Just take that one, and the world could turn upside down. Just that one, guileless. And a man of down is merciful. A man of down is a master of forgiving. He is unable to hold a grudge. He delights in showing the pattern of the kingdom of heaven and revealing the love of Jesus Christ to all that seek to do him wrong. He is a strong defender of that which is entrusted to him, but without contradiction, he is also merciful and long-suffering towards all that might delight in his downfall. Bitterness and resentment are foreign to a man of down. And instead of the motto being a tooth for a tooth, the man of down's motto is blessings for blows and beatings. You bring blows and beatings, the man of down brings blessing. The man of down knows when to turn the other cheek. He knows when to remove his outer garments, bend his knee, and wash feet. He's not all swords and clash of titans. That's not all the man is that is born of God. He fights and he serves and he knows when to do both. Sometimes he's doing them simultaneously. But a lot of times life demands us drawing the steel and being fully present in battle. And then oftentimes it means drawing the cup of cool water and being fully present as the little lamb drinks and watching every drop get in him. Can't tell you what it's like caring for a baby. When you're used to the hustle-bustle pace of this world, and then you're feeding a bottle, come on, this bottle's taking forever. What is this? A size one? They have these things, size one nipples. Actually, I think there's an N nipple, newborn nipple. The thing, the the the, the little hole in it is so utterly small that it drives a man crazy. You want to squeeze the bottle, come on, and the kids are you know getting it spurted in their mouth because you you want a battle. You want to move. You want to get stuff done. I don't feel like I'm doing anything here. You are. You're being a father. You're being a man of down. You're giving attention to your little baby. Be fully there. Be fully focused. Pray for that little child. Pray over them. Guard them and protect them. Delight in these moments. Learn to be still. Learn to be downy soft even though it's a little awkward. And you want that crazy bottle to go faster. Because once they get done with that bottle, guess what? Well, it's been two hours. They need to eat again. No! (laughs) For a man to know when to be strong and when to be soft is a work of Jesus Christ within a man. It is not something that you can whip up as men. Here's what I want to encourage, first of all, the men and also the women, to remember this. What we just described is like a 10, a measurement of perfection. Please gain the vision of what this is supposed to be. Gain the vision of the loftiness and the grandeur of what a man can become. But also recognize that there's a principle of maturity in the kingdom of heaven. And that when you're a toddler, you're a toddler. That toddler can look up at his dad and say, one day I'll wear size 12 shoes. But he can't force his foot to grow. He can't stretch it out bigger than it is. He can only walk in the little toddler's shoes because that's how old he is. And as men, some of us, though we be old in age, are young in the formation of Christ within. It's all right. We're little toddlers. And the women around us need to recognize that as well that it's okay for a man to be in development. It's okay for a man to take steps forward that might not look as grand as this. But you know what? Compassion, when it begins to come forth, comes forth in little moments, little bursts, micro bursts within a man's heart. It doesn't just overtake him all at once. It's the process sometimes of seeing that heart of stone literally shattered. But when you get those little micro as the rock begins... Don't hold it over him that he's not fully finished. Cherish the fact that there is signs of life. As I say, when you are grafted into the branch, oh, I'm sorry, the vine in John 15, and people are saying, I don't have fruit, I'm not showing the fruit at the level I I feel I should. Do you have greenness in the branch? Because if your branch is green, that's a sign of life. You may not have a lot of fruit, and your fruit may be minuscule, but guess what? You're showing life. That's what matters. Because if you see the withered fig tree, that's the one that Jesus curses. It's not producing. It's not showing life. Get it out of here. You're showing life. You're a toddler. You have the DNA to grow up into the full stature of a man. But allow the grace of God, the long-suffering of Jesus, to walk you through this process of development. And women, remember that. That we as men are a work in process. Jesus is your true hero. We're wannabe heroes. We're wannabe like Jesus's. That's what we are. We see the pattern, and we say, Jesus must do it in us. He delights to shape us into men of steel and men of down. And so women, those of you that have had this vision of what a man ought to be, I want you to take it to your knees instead of to the ribs of the men around you. And I want you to encourage them with your knees on the ground in prayer. God, do this. Soften the heart. Cultivate this life, this manly growl, and this manly sensitivity within my men. Do it. If you have brothers, start praying for them. If you have dads, start praying for them. Do you imagine if the force of femininity in the spiritual realm was pushing on this exact issue? What could happen to the church of Jesus Christ if men were stirred the way they must be stirred in this age and generation? Let's pray. Father, you must do this. It is your great delight to give us the kingdom. It is your pleasure to give us the spirit. There is no hindrance. There is no distaste within you. It is you that is stirred within us and said, I want to give you this. And the work that you begin, you are faithful to complete. Lord, so I pray that you wouldn't just begin this work, but that you would bring it to a full completion for your glory, honor, and praise. Make us men of steel and men of down. Make us women of steel and women of down. The full picture of Jesus Christ. The manifold wisdom of the heavenlies revealed in and through the church of Jesus Christ.
0: dot, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E dot com. For Ellerslie Mission Society this is Ben Zorns cheering you on as Christ cultivates his set apart life within you